Hey everyone, welcome back to episode four of Casual Design Chats. It's Rajan and Eli. Today we're talking about working with cross-functional teams because as you know, as designers, we don't work in silos and it's extremely important to understand how each role fits and complements each other in a product team. Eli, how's it going? Hey, Roger. Yeah, great to be here. Super glad to have this conversation with you again. Today, we're talking about cross-functional teams and our relationship with them as designers. One of the first important things we should really define is what actually is a cross-functional team? It's a term we use a lot, but for those of you that aren't aware, those of you that are not in the industry, a cross-functional team is a collection of teammates or people that you work with from different disciplines. So for example, it would be somebody from product management, it'd be somebody from development, uh, from quality assurance. Occasionally, you may even come across people from other departments, such as legal, uh, compliance, business analysis. All of these people have a stake in something that you're working in. And today, we'll discuss uh, some of these roles and how we actually interact with them on a daily basis or a weekly basis or even maybe a quarterly basis and uh, how they impact the product that we're working on. Cool. That's super exciting. One of the first things I want to start off with, imagine you're joining a new team. You have to build relationships with a few key folks. Who do you speak with? Because like you said, cross-functional teams can include many members and some extended team, which you may not be speaking with on a day-to-day basis. So for me, the core team is the, the product manager which is like my partner in crime and a developer lead. That's usually the the core people, but some teams also have um, marketing managers, content writers, uh, analysts, and those are also super important if they're part of your core squad or uh, team. Who do you consider to be the key stakeholders in your team? Yeah, it's a great question. And I found actually a lot of that really depends on the product, its complexity, uh, it's time to market. I would say if there was an average team that I would have to put together, from my experience, it's always going to be a product manager or product owner, depending on how the company that you work with structures that role. Uh, that's number one, a tech lead, so an engineering manager of sorts, uh, somebody who oversees front-end, back-end developers. And uh, that those two would be my key. And then I personally actually really like to advocate for content designers to be part of a squad. It doesn't always lead itself to reality because content is always different in every company. But again, to answer your question, I think the core really is engineer manager, product manager, and those are the people that I would be in touch with on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on that topic, it's super important to understand not only what their roles are, but also what their goals are, whether it be personal or work goals, because they are the people that are you're going to be working the closest with. Uh, so it's best to understand how you can help them. That's actually a really good point. The one thing that comes to mind is my relationship uh, as a junior designer back in the day with product management and how that's evolved and changed over the years. So. I'm not sure if you can relate to this or not, uh, but I feel that as a junior designer many, many moons ago, I didn't fully understand or I didn't really 
know what product managers or product owners did. Uh, because as a designer coming into a company, I had this, you know, uh, aura of like, Hey, I'm here to do cool stuff. I'm here to do cool shit. Yeah. And one of the mistakes I would say I made earlier in my career, uh, when it comes to understanding the team members, um, especially the PM is I didn't quite understand what their role was, What I understood the PM to be was that they do sprint planning, they make Jira tickets for the developers, and that's about it. But as we both know, this the PM is a huge role in a team and has a ton more impact and responsibilities than just creating Jira tickets. You are so right about that, because once I truly understood what a PM does, my respect for that role shot up exponentially. Because ultimately, a PM is responsible for the entire life cycle of a product from ideation to execution, and even so beyond. You know, they're handling things like market research, competitive analysis, business strategy, prioritization, budgeting, and more. One thing that I appreciate in really good PMs is when they shield everybody else from the stuff that's going on elsewhere. When they're meeting with senior executives, senior VPs, or even C-level executives, and they're talking about the product and they're selling it and they're discussing things like budgets. They're discussing allocation, forecasting, all that stuff. This is stuff that you and I as designers are not really privy to. I mean, sure, we could be interested in it, but it's not really part of our job description and we don't know much about it. At least I don't, right? When it comes to things like budgeting, you know, I couldn't tell you the first thing about it, right? So <laughs> the respect for a PM when they do all of these things is, is you know, it's, it's really immense on my part with the last point about budgeting the only thing about budgeting i know is that whenever you get any event money i know how much i have for my for my food so that's the only budgeting i understand this is the only priority we care about how much is my per diem <laughs> rate for lunch 100 <laughs> um, so i'm curious to know eli everyone has a different communication and collaboration style what has worked for you when it comes to collaborating with your PM, your devs, and and other members? Great question. So one of my first things that I do when I join any team is try to establish a relationship as soon as possible. So start having one-on-ones with these people. And I'm the kind of person that I'm a believer that having a relationship that's based on trust, that's based on transparency is super important. So, and that's one of the things I always signal when I meet with any of my new partners, uh, you know, first day on the team, first week on a team, I set up a couple of meetings and say, Hey, I'm Eli, I'm a designer. This is what I've done in the past. And this is how I envision our collaboration process together to go. And ultimately I'm here to help you and you know, we're here to help each other. So I position in such a way that we're partners and it's not a competition because I'll be honest, uh, early on in my career, I did see, and this is not correct, but I did envision some of these stakeholders as, I wouldn't say competition, but I would say sort of like a roadblock to what you were trying to do as a designer. You know, when you're young and dumb and you're thinking like, hey, I'm here to do cool shit. And then 
some dev comes in and asks you a question or some PM comes in and requests something you're thinking, like, well, who, what does this person want? Right. And to your point mm -hmm. earlier, because when you said you didn't understand what they do, it was similar for me. So once I flipped that switch, uh, fairly on, I was like, okay, you know what? Collaboration is key. Like, how can I make your life easier? How can you make my life easier as well? And that's the message I always drive when I meet with my stakeholders and it's been successful for me you know i i don't get the feeling that it's ever a competition it's just like we're working together we're reaching the same goal let's let's help each other go home on time basically right <laughs> let's not make each other's lives any harder than they need to be agreed yeah yeah that's very true and i've noticed i've seen in the past some some pms to be to say more like hey designer i work for you rather than you know you work for me or we work in a team mm -hmm. and and some designers say like hey i work for upm and you don't work for me uh, but i really think what you said is is uh definitely the one i feel strongly about is we are working in a team we are not working for mm -hmm. each other we are literally working for the company the product the success of the you know the people we make this product for and the business so it really is a it's a collaboration and not competition and working for each other like you just said yeah what do you think about the more technical people on the team so tech leads and then especially front end and back end developers because that's also yeah. an interesting um, collaboration and it's different as well. So what are your thoughts and maybe past experiences on that? Yeah, just high level in the past. Um, and even now today, uh, teams have always varied, like who you, who you collaborate with. It could be the dev lead, a tech lead, or it could be the few of the developers themselves, but in my experience, some of the best developers I worked with usually like to be involved early in the process from research to the shaping or the design process, design phase itself. We were exploring different ideas and not just kind of handing it off to the designers, to the developers, sorry. And it, yeah, it just goes to show that this developer is interested in more than just building the product or coding the thing and is really interested in the entire product development process and those yeah those developers i enjoy the most working with the most as well nice yeah for me as well uh one of the approaches i take with developers is so same as you involve them as early as possible in the process because people want to feel like they've contributed and one of the messages that communicate is I'm not a designer here working in a corner by myself. And then I'm doing the grand reveal. Ta-da! Here's my big surprise after a few weeks. No, you guys are going to see all the messy files that I'm working on. You're going to see all of my thoughts scrambled on a Figma whiteboard and everything, gonna, everything. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to see like how I got to this decision and you're going to help me get there as well. And when I present work, uh, you know, it was a weekly, bi-weekly, whatever it might be to developers. I always state it's like, hey, friends, like I'm not here to present work. Like I want you to break it apart. I want you to say, hey, this sucks or this isn't going to work. And I say, 
you're not going to hurt my feelings because this is not personal. This is not design is not art. Like I'm not presenting you a masterpiece that I created because it's not, it's not masterpieces from, from no. like, like, like I want you guys to break this thing, you know, pressure test it here and say, this isn't going to work. This sucks. This is whatever. And, you know, I think my strength as a designer and possibly, you know, a lot of designers as well too, is you don't take things personally. One, a stakeholder it might not even be in designer, but any stakeholder says, Hey, uh, have you thought about using this color instead? Mm, first thing yes. you do, very first common. thing you but first thing you do, say thank you. Thank you. That's great feedback. And just move on, right? Because everybody's a designer, and that's great. People have fantastic ideas, but ultimately you are the expert. You're getting paid for this. So when people ask these things, they're not doing it because they want to be difficult. They're just, you know, this is the idea that comes to them, right? So back to my totally. original point. Yeah. It, uh, is what when I show my work to developers, I'm like, hey, break this apart. I don't care. You're not going to insult me, right? <laughs> We're here to make it better yeah. together. It's very true because design is, it's design and content design. It's, you know, two of the only things that everyone sees. Code, you don't really see as a designer or unless you're mm. a developer, you don't really see that. PM, their role is also very specific. Um, although it does impact everything else, but for design, it's very visual and everyone has visual, um, subjective opinion that, you know, you know, I don't think this is, this is, this doesn't look good. You know, you've probably heard this many times, you, um, developers. Hey, what is that uh, supposed to mean? Oh, yeah. Love the low key roaster. Totally roasting you on your visual design. <laughs> no, what I'm saying is, you probably heard um, many times people will recommend, um, you know, like you said, different colors. And, you know, actually, earlier in my career, I would, I would get, I would get kind of annoyed by that. Like, why are you telling me what to do? This is not, this doesn't look good or. Yeah. Um, like I'm the designer. I think I know what, what is better, but over, over the past couple of years, I've, I've learned to learn to not only explain why we have a certain rationale, but um, like you said, early in the process, bring them in, educate them also on the design system. If your company has one. And that's been super valuable for me. Absolutely. Yeah. And just to touch again on that little aspect of people contributing their ideas to a design process. Um, and I mentioned this earlier when I was speaking before, but I, I do want to stress this one. Stakeholders ask, oh, have you thought about this? Or have you thought about that? My approach, which I love doing lately is I say, hey, Thanks for the feedback. And yeah, when you try it, it was terrible. This is why we're doing it this way. And I find 99% of the time, people are okay with it because ultimately people just want to be heard. They want to be feel, they want to feel validated. So when you say, yeah, for sure, like we did give it a shot. And again, thanks for your feedback. This is really good. Like that's really all they want to hear. Like they're not actually poking holes in your design to see if you're going to crack and change it for them. They're more like just they they want to feel like they're part of the process. So once you say thanks so much, and yeah, we did try it. It wasn't good. And this is what we're and going honestly, to the red. Yeah, and honestly, that's one of the best gift you have as a designer, like getting feedback, even if it's unsolicited. Yeah. It's it's going to help the 
the entire team, the entire company, because the people who actually give you feedback actually care about the product and the success of the product. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So th this is why I really do think design is like, I, I don't want to use the word group effort because it's not, but you're right to your point is because it's so visual because it's so in your face. It's so out there that everyone feels entitled to provide feedback. And that's, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. And as you said earlier, you used to feel offended. And so did I, right. When, somebody from legal or compliance would comment on something and I would think, what does this lawyer know? Like, what are they talking about? Right. But that's, that's <laughs> the wrong way of thinking about it because you're yeah. absolutely right. Like everybody has a stake in the game and they want to make sure the best thing is done. Right. So on the topic of lawyers and legal, sometimes you have scenarios where legal will say, Hey, we need to have this, this line of copy or some change to the design that may not be visually appealing or you may not agree with what's your approach to communicating that to yeah. the legal team because they're not super close to you so you might not have the the closest relationship with them mm -hmm. i personally don't because you know like i said we don't work together every day yeah. so what's what's been your approach so legal and compliance anything that's very wordy i this was exactly where i lean on my content design partners because this is you know this is a double layer of uh cross-functional communication where i personally could not comment a lot on any legalese because when a lawyer or a compliance person says hey we need to add this thing like even if i read it i still don't fully understand it nor should i because it's not my role so i try to get my content design partner involved as much as possible and i have them translate it just at least to me to understand what is being said like can you can you explain to me in simple terms what is being communicated and then based on that i can actually recommend a potential design solution and say ah okay so we're trying to say xyz and so here's what we can do with this we can either add a a warning component or we can add this as a footnote so Ultimately, the content designer person really acts as a buffer for me to understand what's happening. And they also work directly with legal to potentially reward the content because if something is too legalese and it's up front and center, it could be a detriment to our clients, right? So you want to make mm -hmm. sure that when we say something, it's understood. And uh, not to deviate too far from this, but actually a fantastic example I've seen of, how, of this is uh, how Apple does it. So... Apple has very, very strong terms and conditions, but they actually have a, a small subsite, uh, a website where they explain all of their terms in very, in very, very, very simple sentences. So it's basically a card. It says, we will do X, Y, Z if you do this, right? And because it meets their legal requirement, um, I think the design piece there is fantastic. So yeah, ultimately to answer your question, Content design is amazing at helping me understand like what's actually being done. Very cool. I didn't know Apple had this explain like, not necessarily explain like I'm five language for legal, but much simplified language. Because as you know, legal is usually jargon oh, i'll uh, be honest understand. with you i i fall asleep if i read any legalese so, yeah and i'm sure yeah. most people do as well oh yeah yeah what does 
your cadence look like? And when I mean cadence, uh, like how often you communicate with them? Like, do you have uh, workshops? Do you have uh, design jam sessions? Uh, what does that look like for you? And what have you done in the past to facilitate that? Yeah, yeah, that's a great one. So starting a project, you obviously have the the PM, myself, so the designer, and a dev lead. Um, um, often you might have other, but it's it's usually always communicate communicated to the entire team uh, that what we're kicking off, what the project is going to be, and from there, I personally like to involve the PM in discovery as much as possible, but also give the developers and other members the option to join. So let's say, you know, we're doing interviews. Um, that's something I was doing the past couple of weeks. And, you know, I always um, let my team know that, Hey, we're doing interviews. If you want to be a part of it, you're welcome to, if not, I'll be sharing the learnings and any kind of takeaways and action items for us. That's, that's been my approach for discovery later in the process. Let's say you're getting into ideation, uh, then I've facilitated workshops where it's the feedback has been really good actually from the developers. I, I actually heard that this is the best thing, uh, the most exciting thing I've done in a past couple, couple of weeks or months. So that was like, wow, these workshops they're they're not only a great way to get the team members working together kind of ideating but it's also brightens up the the days of a developer because you know you're just coding all day so this is definitely something different where you're sketching and just doodling random stuff which may or may not um, go to the final design nice that's awesome yeah, for me, I usually try to set up at minimum weekly design jams, uh, and they're open to everyone who wants to come on the squad. Usually the biggest participants are PMs and the devs, and then anybody else can pop in if they feel like it, if you know, legal or compliance or any other partners that are involved in the product and also uh, come in. But the... Uh, Usual suspects in that are usually, yeah, the tech leads, the front-end developers, back-end developers, PMs. And what I like to do is one of the approaches I take, and I've learned this from my current company, and I've been sort of doing this before without realizing or giving it a name, but the name of this framework is uh, good, better, and best. So you essentially present three different variations of your work. And the reason why you divide into those subsets is good is something that we can do given our current technical constraints and it's basically good enough it meets the need it's you know not as visually appealing it's just it's there it it, it does the job better is something that's a bit more elevated and then best is almost like a north star um, i wouldn't say you're discounting all the tech constraints but you're thinking about mm -hmm. how can i make this experience amazing for our customers, knowing that potentially we may not be able to build. So I present three of these in the same meeting and frequently, frequently what happens is uh, everybody really gets excited about the best version because it is actually amazing. And then we start working and thinking about, okay, so how can we actually work backwards from this? And 
what can we do on the tech side to make this thing work? Um, so that's, I find yeah. that gets people excited because if we just present one piece of work, I feel like there isn't a lot to go off of. People will provide feedback and that's great, but then these approaches really open up the conversation, I find. Interesting. So you're saying in your weekly jams with the team, um, and I'm surprised you have it weekly, uh, which is which is awesome. I personally don't have it weekly uh, because I'm not designing every week it's mm-hmm. maybe maybe it's just because of the nature of the work right now it's very much heavily research and discovery focused right um but do you with the good better best do you also so it looks like you bring those ideas in are the developers or the pms also kind of sketching and giving you ideas they are just is that just a way to get you started off with the jam and kind of the reviews? Yeah, no, I think the way to do that really is I, I come with those ideas based on what the requirements are, and then we work backwards from that. So I don't find that I'm getting anyone else involved in the sketching process. Actually wrong. No, I'm incorrect. So PMs and I, We'll frequently have our own uh, side sessions and just where we kind of dump everything from our brains onto a fig jam board or a mirror, whatever board you want to use. A bunch of stickies there. And we design a very um, object oriented experience. So, meaning like everything's a sticky and we just connect things together. And then, based on that, I can come up with a proper UI or a prototype down the road. So, when I bring something to a team design jam, I've created two or three different concepts of what I think could be the potential experience, like the good, better, and best. And then we decide as a team, okay, is any of this feasible? Like, does this meet requirements? You know, can we descope some stuff? Things like that. Okay, cool. Yeah. That was going to be my next question, whether or not you, you explain the scope and how much it would extend. Oh yeah. That's already, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, frequently when I bring the uh, quote-unquote best experience, there's so much stuff added to it. And I always say, hey, you know, looking at this, yeah, it looks great, but I understand it by not being scoped. So let's shave off what we don't need, but just let's look at this thing holistically, right? Just to get an idea of, like, of where we might be down the road. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I do, f- and I actually wanted to ask you as well, too, because... Um, as designers, we, well, I'm, I mean, we should be thinking about things holistically. We should be thinking about the big picture. So when you bring stuff to a team, how do you tell a story? How do you say, um, here's a feature we're working on, but the bigger picture of this whole feature is this, or do you just focus on the narrow feature? And then that's the only thing you're focusing on when you're talking to your cross-functional partners. Mm-hmm. Okay. That one will depend on the audience. So if it's my PM, they usually know what the the story is, essentially, why we're doing this, what our roadblocks have been, where we are in the process, because your PM you know, should be the first person to know, you know what you're working on, where you are, and uh, working together but for the developers for example or other members they might not be as close to the project 
so they might need more context. And this is the same approach I use with other designers. Let's say in a design review, I usually explain the entire thing like like someone I would explain to outside of work. So I assume that they don't know anything about this, literally nothing. Um, so that's kind of my approach. Um, nice. Yeah. What about, and this actually ties into my next question is potential challenges that may arise. Uh, I, I did find that maybe earlier on in my career, um, I would be challenged by let's say developers right about certain things and we talked about this you know sometimes they might take these things personally because you're not really sure where it's coming from and you know there could be a strong personality that has a very strong opinion about how they want to do things have you experienced um anything like that like where you're feeling challenged by a stakeholder and you're not quite sure how to answer that or how to get out of the situation and you feel sort of cornered because you're kind of you're you're not sure what to do with that has that ever happened to you yeah yeah of course oftentimes we're working in ambiguous um, work so we don't quite know or understand what the final design solution might be um, and in those those cases it's it's okay i found to just say we don't know um, if this is going to be the final approach these are just explorations that we have so far and that's okay one thing about being challenged is i do find first of all it's okay to say i don't know i think that's very humbling because nobody likes to work with a know-it-all let's put it that way if, if someone has an answer to everything i think it's a bit of a red flag so it's all right to once know i'll say you know what i don't know i'll find out uh another thing too is if i'm being challenged on something specific right you know I'm, I'm almost like a ninja i have an answer for everything when it comes to these things but it means you know i've made a decision based on let's say our design system or i made a decision because i've sparred with my design teammates from you know from my actual design organization so it's not like I came to this decision that I'm showing right now based on my own subjective feeling or because it looks good or feels good. Like none of that really is where or how I arrived to this. Like there was decision made behind it. So I think when people do challenge, I find it comes from a good place. They, they just want to know, how did you arrive at this? And if you say like, you know, first of all, like we have a design pattern for this that exists and we're going to use it, or I've talked to my teammates about this or, you know, I've done some research and bam, here's some research that I found. A lot of the times you can alleviate this, this concern, right? Because ultimately at the end of the day, you still are the expert in design and you are being paid to be a designer. So people's feedback is valuable, uh, but you're not going to go out there and challenge a developer, for example, and say, you know what, Hey, you're using uh, this version of react where you should be using this version. Like, you're not going to say that because first of all, we don't, we're not experts on that. That's one. And second of all, it's not our place. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks Eli for the chat. Uh, this was great catching up again, talking about how to work with cross-functional team members. Uh, I learned quite a lot from this. So thanks again for your time. Hopefully the listeners also took away a thing or two. Anything else you want to add, Eli? No, I think this was very productive and a great conversation as always. I love having these with you. Once again, we are Eli and Rajan, and this was an episode of Casual Design Chats. We hope to see you next time. Bye. Take care.